You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Good morning, morning, everybody. So uh, I'm uh, sitting here high atop the Blue Ridge, frosty Dr. Pepper in hand as usual, uh, looking like a really good weekend here, not 100 degrees, uh, more like in the low 80s, so... With any luck, I'll get something done. Got a local car show. Going to run by the uh, old Salem Days car show that's been around for the last 50 years. And uh, check that out. Catch up with some people that I only see every year at old Salem Days. But you, you liked Iowa so much after our visit there. You decided to go back. That's right. That's right. I'm in Des Moines, Iowa right now. And uh, this is the weekend of the Des Moines Concours which takes place Sunday, tomorrow. And last night I was the guest speaker at their gala dinner, so that was nice. And then uh, this afternoon they have driving tours, and then we're going to go to a uh, museum where they're going to talk about uh, a seminar on the design of four... a, a design seminar about... Uh, oh, I thought maybe you were going to talk about corn. No, not talking about corn. No talking about automobiles so uh the weather's beautiful i mean blue skies and all that jazz and uh it was a long ride i mean uh you know i i drove from my house in knoxville to just south of st louis on thursday where i photographed that ss1 airline coupe that won the zenith award so i i photographed that at man's restoration in festus missouri and that's going to be a big feature in the next issue of crankshaft and then I hit the road, and uh, now I'm in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. So uh, we're going to see some nice cars today. Looking forward to it. Something different, you know. Really ever get to this yeah. area of the country. There's a lot of lot of great collectors here and uh, interesting cars. So uh, it's going to be nice. But there's something missing. Right? What's that? You, you, miss, you miss me, right? I mean, oh, last time oh, you went to boy. Iowa, you know, you had had to deal with me, and I, I know this this trip was very lonely without me there. Well, yeah, I mean, my ears don't hurt now. You know, I was nice and quiet <laughs> in the car, and uh, when I rented the van, I got serious radio, so I had some really good stations and music to listen to. So that so that was enjoyable. It made the trip go by a little a little easier, a little quicker. And you didn't have well, to worry about your heat. heat soaking. No, no heat soak. No. I was in a Chrysler <laughs> minivan. That I, so, no heat soak. I didn't have to put the hood up every time I stopped. So uh, we're good. Good to go. Good. So uh, I guess we've got something else coming up. Big, well, we've got a couple of things coming up. We've got Hershey. And we'll talk about Hershey here in a second, but uh, Hershey, the world's greatest automotive event for collector cars. But um, then after that, you, I'm going to be judging, and, and you're going to be uh, there promoting Crankshaft Magazine. We'll both be at the Lake Mirror Concours just outside of uh, the Tampa, 
Tampa Lakeland area. So that's going to be a lot of fun too. Yeah, when I lived in Florida, I went to the Lake Mirror Classic, as I called it then, uh, several years. And it's right there in Lakeland, Florida, right in the middle of the state. And uh, it's it's a really nice venue. It's a great location around the lake. All the cars are set up. And then the surrounding areas, all the streets in Lakeland, not all, but, you know, several streets are blocked off. And they're just filled with cars, all cars, you know. Sports cars, British sports cars, exotics, Cobra Kit cars, Street Rods, Customs. And that's where they have all the restaurants and they have breweries. And the whole town is really like taking over with cars. I mean, there is definitely uh, well over 1,500, 2,000 cars there. So the Lake Mirror Classic, that's, that's a really interesting show. It's, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a yeah. booth there to come guests. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be good. It's going to be nice. And that takes us back, stepping back a week. Um, Hershey, Hershey's in only three weeks. Really? Three it's weeks? Incredible. Three weeks. Wow. <laughs> three really? weeks. And we'll, we'll be at Hershey. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you've been to Iowa twice. Then you're going to go to Hershey. Then you got to go to Florida. You're just a traveling man. That's it. Yeah, I'll be done for the year. So then I can stay home, relax, and work on my own cars for a change. So that'll be fun. Because all my stuff is just lagging behind. Haven't been able to do much. So, uh, frustrating. But you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Got to promote the match. I've been... I have been steadily working on the 73 Ambassador. Finally, I mean, stem to stern, every last thing in the brake system. I mean, lines, hoses, wheel cylinders, rebuilt calipers, master cylinder, booster. I have done it all, and... uh, you know, along the way, a lot of little bumps, uh, but uh, finally got all of that sorted out. Fuel system, cleaned the tank, all of that jazz, tested the sending unit, because while you have the tank out, you always want to check your sending unit before you put it all back together and not just trust that it works properly. So uh, I use a uh, bolt ohm meter and, you know, measure the resistance. Resistance changes as the flow goes up and down. You'll see that deflection on your needle, and that tells you it's working. But uh, So I got all of that back in there. And um, now I'm getting close, but I the engine's, this car's been sitting since 1983. So, wow, 40 years. Plus 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, obviously I pulled all the plugs. I uh, put a combination of um, ATF and acetone 50-50 mix into the cylinders, letting it soak. I've pulled the valve covers, and I'm oiling, oiling the valve stems. I've got a really good... 
high-pressure squirt can that I use, and I stick the nozzle in there and make sure I get the valve stems really good so that oil will be pulled by osmosis down down uh, between the valve stem and the valve guides. Then I go through with a uh, dead blow hammer. I smack each one of the uh, valves, make sure that it's, you know, goes down, comes back up so that it's not stuck. Uh, done all of that. So a little bit more cleaning, a few more things, and then I'm going to uh, turn it over. But I'm not just going to start it. I'm going to leave the plugs out, and I'm going to put uh, a couple of old towels, one on either side, you know, because I'm going to leave the spark plugs out. I'm going to crank it over, let it rotate a little bit and clear all the ATF and acetone out of there and then I'm going to put the plugs back in um, and then I'll, I'll try to start it but uh, just try to make sure that everything is all looped up yeah you know it's all that preparation you know you just don't want to get in there turn that engine and just rip those cylinder walls and scratch the oil on them so uh, yeah, you're definitely doing it right, my friend. So uh, good luck. Let us know uh, if you can get fired up. That'd be great. Yeah. Those are nice well, hope, Hopefully this weekend. Hopefully this weekend will be its first uh, grueling test drive in 40 years. So it'll be a momentous occasion for me. So we'll see. I got my fingers crossed. But as you well know, something's going to go wrong along the way so well, you know who knows we'll see what happens always that's the way it is that's part of life everything goes something's going to go wrong so. uh, yeah. but you're almost there those are nice cars to drive they ride really nice they have a nice long wheelbase so uh, yeah it'll be fun good deal yeah so then Hershey so you know I I uh, have uh, a friend of mine, Rick Seaman. Uh, he owns Rick's Radios, and he does uh, vintage radio conversions and radio re- vintage radio repair. And Rick's never been to Hershey. He's gone to Carlisle, but not Hershey. I'm like, what's the matter, you? You, you got to be going to Hershey too. And so Rick's coming to Hershey for the first time, and. You know, he had a lot of questions for me about Hershey. Um, you know, what's it like to be on the field? Can I drive in and out? Uh, or should I go to no. eat? All of those things. And, uh, you know, you've got no traffic at Hershey from 10 to 4 p.m. So you can't drive around flea market, you can't just go and drive up and down, um, you know, you're not supposed to have golf carts unless you have a uh, specific medical reason for that, and, and you have to rent them there. Um, you can use a mobility scooter if you have to, Rich, um, if, you know, if you're not feeling good that day, we'll find you one. Uh, yeah, well, I'm always looking out for you. You know that. Uh, but 
there's plenty of food there. Okay, you might want to bring something along to snack on, so on and so forth. Um, in the mornings at Hershey, right in front of the Giant Center, there's a big white tent, and that is my favorite place to go for breakfast. You go in there. Yeah. They'll fix you an yep. omelet while you yeah. wait. Yeah, It's reasonably priced yeah. and uh, right. good food. By the time you finish the week out, you know everybody that works there, you know, hey, <laughs> what's not to so like? What, so what, uh, what kind are you bringing to sell? So typically every year, well, I'll wind this back a bit. I bring a little bit of everything. You know, over the years, of course, you know, you hit, run into friends who are older. Um, they have parts. They don't want to throw them away. They've been keeping them for years and years and years, like most of us do. You know, most of us have a hard time throwing away vintage car parts because at some point somebody's going to need to use them. And so I've accumulated a lot of stuff that way. Um, Gosh, I got ended up with like 20 Model T carburetors. Uh, I'm down to about five now uh, that I've sold or given away. Um, but I, my friend Robert Dye and I have been uh, going up to Hershey. We've had a, he and I have had a space there together for uh, gosh, twenty years, over twenty years. And through that time, he and I bought and sold a lot of Cadillacs, a ton of vintage Cadillacs. And Robert got started in that years and years ago, and then got me involved in it. I think we got to go to a break, folks. We'll be right back. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of the distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. What am I selling? A lot of Cadillac parts, 
uh, mainly from the 50s and 60s, and a lot of stuff over the years that my friends have given me that they just didn't have the heart to throw away when they were downsizing, uh, moving into a retirement community or, or moving to another state, so on and so forth. So, you know, all the stuff that anybody, everybody couldn't bear to throw away. So, uh, but you know, the cool thing about that is a lot of stuff has found a home. You'd be surprised. Did you actually tell so, so yeah, people actually I mean, you come, you know? And sell stuff? Because I never yeah. sold parts at Hershey. Good. You, you, you have actually... Any no, I don't have any... Well, no, I take that back. I do have some Triumph uh, accessories. I have a box of old rags that I, I'll be bringing with me to sell. And, oh. And they go okay. underneath the car. They, they're very absorbent. Oh, okay. There you go. I'll save you. Well, now. you gotta come. You gotta come over to the chocolate field. That's where we're going to have the crankshaft booth. And uh, you know, if anybody's listening, you can pick up a copy or sit down and have a chat and talk about cars. We can make fun of Tom. Come on by. I'm right in the in the South Chocolate Field. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. It's gonna yeah. be fun. I'll be on. My yeah, my my brothers and my friends won't be able to come this year. They'll be in, in Italy. So it would be just me at the booth. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Rich is going to be lonely. Uh, he's going to be providing free food for everybody. So, oh, yeah. you know, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, <laughs> Rich is going to take care of you, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Salty. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So what else is new on the agenda? So... Well, I was just thinking about, well, just Hershey in general, and we've run across this before. Take some cash with you folks. Have plenty of change. Don't try to talk to a guy about a $50 part, offer him 20 and then turn around and pay him with a 50 if he offers you the 20. It's just bad manners. It's poor swap meet etiquette to bargain for something and then pay for them, pay for the parts with large bills. Don't do it. Bad etiquette. People people remember you and you never know when you're going to need to go back to that vendor and they're going to remember that. And, uh, you know, need to make a list of things that you want to um, because you'll forget. The other thing I'll tell people, you know, a lot of people I know, they walk up and down the aisles at Hershey and honestly, it's 20, if you walk every aisle in Hershey and all the aisles at the car show on Friday, it's something right around 30 miles so you're doing a ton of walking but when you're searching for parts you know you walk down an aisle you see a vendor there there's a Ford vendor largely I mean you see a bunch of Ford caps Ford air cleaners Ford this Ford that but you're looking for parts for your Studebaker and you look at that and you're like eh 
he's a Ford guy, and you keep on moving. Don't do that. Some of the best buys I've ever had have been when I stopped at a vendor that seemed to be predominantly GM or whatever it happened to be, but not what I was really looking for. But I stopped there anyway to look. And you know what? I have found people that got a box full of AMC parts or whatever it may happen to be, and I start digging through the pile, and they'll be like, you know, take the whole box. I'll sell you the whole box. I'll make you a deal. It's not what I ordinarily take with me. So I've found a lot of stuff by doing that. Don't overlook any vendor. Pay close attention. Now, I will say this. If you're over in the brass era section and you're looking for... uh, 57 Chevy parts, you know what, you might keep on cruising because once you get into the brass section there in the red field, um, those guys have largely got nothing but brass parts. But by and large, don't bypass any vendor out there on the field. They might have what you want. Yeah, you're right. You never know. Uh, That happened to me once. I was looking at I think the guy who had all—he well, had a variety of, you know, post-war American parts, but there was uh, some British car parts there thrown in the mix that I needed. So, yeah, you just never know, and you always look at those boxes on the floor, under the table, stuck in the back. You just never know what's in there. So, uh, I always tell people, you know, bring a knapsack or some kind of canvas bag, throw it over your shoulder. This way, you'll have something to carry your parts. You know for the rest of the day as you're walking around. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. A lot of fun. And if you see something that you really want, and, you know, maybe it's just a couple bucks more than what you want to pay for it, just go ahead and buy it. I don't know how many times years back I've learned, but that I hesitated I found something. I'm like, this is really cool, but hey, he's asking seventy five bucks. Uh, I'd be happier with say sixty bucks. And I vacillate back and forth. You know, what should I do? You know, talk to the guy. He's firm on the price, and I think about it. And in the time that I've been thinking about it, someone else walks right up, gives the guy the seventy five bucks, and walks away. <laughs> And I'm yep. thinking, geez, now I blew it. You know, for 10 bucks, I blew it, you know. Um, if you see it well, and you need it, it's not a crazy it. price, buy it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, the car show. We'll say it again this year. Car show used to be on Saturday, now on Friday. People start entering the field, bringing their cars in. At seven in the morning, one of the best things to do is to watch the cars, right? Yeah, that's a lot of fun. People line up along the street; they're hanging off on top of the bridge, and the cars go under, and uh, that's a lot of fun. And then when the cars leave the field, everybody lines up to watch them, you know, zip by. So, uh, yeah, it's a full day affair, a lot of fun, and uh, it kind of caps off the year. So. Uh, Take it all in as much as you can before winter sets in. Don't don't miss out on Hershey. Hershey is is the event. It's the place to be. It's 
Christmas in October for those of us who are dyed in the wool car people. And uh, 90% of the people that I have encouraged to go to Hershey are now regulars. They go every year. Very, very few people. And once they go to Hershey, they got to keep going. It's an addiction. And uh, so really looking forward to it. I, I hear a lot of complaints from old timers how it's not the same. But, you know, I tell people nothing in life stays the same. Everything changes. Uh, there's always a progression to change. You can't help it, you know. Uh, there's a lot of advantages to today's Hershey. There's, there's no more mud, no more dirt and puddles and that gets on your boots. for I want mud for like the next five years. You can't get it off. So, you know, there are changes. It, nothing's ever the same, but it's still a lot of fun. You still run into people that you meet only at Hershey every year, and you renew those friendships. And, uh, yeah, then you go over to the place and you got to get your Maryland crab cakes and you got to get your Jero's and all that stuff. So, yeah, come on out, folks. Come to the crankshaft booth in the chocolate field and sit down for a spell. Sit a, sit a spell. Are you going to play the sit harmonica? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do solo mio on my back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tom, hey, I, I want you to. Uh, you Tom, know what? I'm, I, Tom, I think we've got to go to a break. Tom. No, I, no, I want you to be on yeah. special lookout, Tom. For and like you said, things change, but be on lookout for a radiator that's changed to a radiator. Radiators, yes, radiators. There, there right. are lots of radiators to be bought up there. Not you radiators, but radiators. The radiator. That was the program. You people don't talk. <laughs> All right. So, what do you want so, to talk about today? Yeah, well, I had one one little thing that I wanted to talk about. Now, I had someone earlier in the week ask me about um, oil additives, and I thought, you know what? Maybe we'll talk about oil additives today a little bit. But I think such a a nebulous topic really it's probably going to take too long but I do have one cool little thought about additives and I don't know did you you ever listen to Paul Harvey when he was on the radio Yeah, I I loved listening to Paul Harvey and he had this special segment called uh, I think what, what it was that's the way it was, you know. He would tell you a little, little story, short story, and uh, anyhow, um, one thing: STP. STP is probably the one oil additive everybody recognizes. Everybody remembers STP. You remember STP, right? Oh yeah, you used to get the, the free stickers at the gas station when you actually attended. Yeah. Oh yeah, they were all over. Yeah, the big red stickers, they were everywhere. Uh, you know, you had them on your, uh, well, me, you bought, I, I'm young, I'm younger than you. I, I had mine on my wagon, you know. <laughs> but so what, STP stickers everywhere. What additives do you use? I don't use any. What's that? Oh, no. 
Well, I mean, you know, there are times when additives are necessary, particularly these days um, with low ZDDP. And, and we can get into that more in a different show. But uh, one interesting little tidbit, STP. Started in 1953, just three guys put together some money, and they, they developed this product, and they called it Scientifically Treated Petroleum, STP, and started, you know, selling it from town to town, auto parts stores, garages, you know, basically as a miracle elixir for your for the oil in your old car and really what it, all, it, all it was at the time it was a viscosity modifier um, it would you know thicken your oil a little bit so you right. you know you burn a little less oil that sort of thing but anyhow um, it became really popular and in 1961 Sherwood Egbert which is my favorite name for uh, of all time for automotive executives. Can you imagine, you know, your last name was Egbert, and then your, your parents named you Sherwood on top of that. But <laughs> anyway, yep. Sherwood Egbert was president of uh, Studebaker Packard Corporation in the early 60s. And 1961, he ended up buying scientifically treated petroleum products from these three guys that started this company. And at that time, the, the name STP, they transformed it for a while to Studebaker Tested Product. And Sherwood had a relationship with Andy Granatelli, who, you know, we all know Andy Granatelli. He was heavily involved in in racing, uh, had Indy racing teams and worked with a number of uh, interesting engine combinations and things of that nature and worked on land speed records and things of that out at the uh, Salt Flats and was involved with Studebaker with their Avanti program, etc. But Sherwood decided Andy Granatelli would be the perfect spokesperson for STP. And so all of his racing teams started using those big red and white STP stickers. They had patches on, big patches on their uh, <clears throat> coveralls and everything in the pits and just really mm-hmm. built it into something big. But it was known as Studebaker Tested Product. And uh, 1966, Studebaker got out of the car business they uh, basically became Studebaker Worthington, and they spun off the Studebaker tested product, STP, to another company, and at that point, it became Science, Technology, and Performance. So STP, throughout its life, has actually stood for three different things. And the thing about Studebaker is just really interesting, so... Anyhow, that's the rest of the story. Then we're going to take a break. Wow. Take a break, folks. Right back. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. 
J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. want to remind everybody that uh, you can... Drop us an email, as a lady did, to Tom, as a matter of fact. And uh, we love hearing from you. We like the complaints. We like the good compliments as well. And uh, this lady happens to like us and listens every week. So our shout-out to her. And uh, if you have a question for Tom or Richard or just anything you'd like to say about the Classic Car Show, well, within reason... Uh, drop us a line at GM at America's Web Radio. We'll be right back. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. All right, we were talking about it. I don't use anything. I use synthetic oil in my car, Mobile One. And... Uh, no need to add anything, so I'm good to go. I save money. No. That's it. I just save no, oil. Yeah. Well, the one thing I would say about using synthetic oils in uh, in older cars, it does tend to creep out of the seals more. Uh, it doesn't stay contained in the crankcases as well as conventional oils do. Um, so, you know... In your cars that are pre nineteen eighty ish, you know, I would stick with a really good brand of a uh, standard type oil, or maybe use a synthetic oil blend. But running a straight synthetic, you know, for God's sakes, in those Triumphs, the daggone things—they all already leak, you know, and and uh, you know, you're going to have even more leaks. I'm just saying, but uh, yep, uh, so true. There are. T- there are times, you know, there are are some good additives out there, um, whether they be, uh, you know, fuel treatments, um, ZDDP additives for older engines that need that extra camshaft protection, um, things of that nature. But, you know, there's always a different application and I'll tell you what, that's one of the most opinionated areas of the car world, uh, additives. 
and and whether they're worthwhile or not. I will say this: best thing you can do for any engine, regardless in terms of your oil, make sure that you're running of the weight that the manufacturer recommended by a good quality oil. If it's an older engine, really pre-80s, make sure that you've got something with some ZDDP in there to protect your camshaft. But change it regularly the way you're supposed to. Do your maintenance. That's the best thing you can do for any engine is to keep it maintained, use good quality products, and stick to the manufacturer's recommendations. They built the thing. They know how to take care of it. They know what works best. Um, so we were talking about paying it forward. You were having a, all these thoughts of generosity and, you know, gifting and just all those things that I don't generally associate with you, you know? <laughs> well... Well, that's because you don't know me. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, if, you know, if, if you got parts laying in your garage for the last 35 years and there's two inches of dust on them and you're 70 years old, you're not going to get to use that part if you haven't used it. For <laughs> you're not. So if you know that there's, especially someone who's young in the hobby who has that particular car and could use that part, Give it to them. If you don't want to give it to them, don't sell it for hundreds of dollars if you think that's what it's worth. Sell it for a cheap price. You got to push things forward. I mean, one day you may not wake up, and what is your wife going to do or your kids? They're going to get a dumpster, and they're going to throw it out anyway. So you might as well, while you're alive, give that part to someone who needs it, and... Uh, they will do the same and, and, you know, keep the parts in circulation. Uh, when I moved from Massachusetts to Tennessee two years ago, uh, I gave away a, a Spitfire transmission, uh, the gearbox. It was in excellent condition. It was nothing wrong with it. And uh, I knew someone needed it. I gave it away. I had a uh, earlier Spitfire engine. It was complete. It wasn't frozen. Everything was there including the carburetors. I gave it away to someone who I knew had a Spitfire Mark II. Just gave it away. I even had a hood for an early Mark II Spitfire, uh, the front bonnet. And uh, it was rust-free, no dents, nothing. It was in, like, in perfect condition. I gave it away for free. I knew someone needed it. And that's what you got to do. And many years ago, I knew some young kid who needed an intake manifold. And... Uh, I gave it to him for free also. And that was years ago when, you know, I could have used the extra money. But he was a young kid. He was 16 years old. His grandfather left him a TR3, and he needed some even intake manifold, and I had a spare one. So, you know, people have given me parts through the years for free, a lot of Triumph parts, things like that. And I just think that if you have it just sitting in your garage and it's doing you no good and you know someone needs it, give it to them. And... uh it's just good karma. It really is. So, so the, ah, what you're telling me, what you're telling me is, is the other week when I was walking around your garage, I should have been looking for something that I could find that was useful, that had dust on it, since I'm, you know, See? so much younger, 
since I'm so much younger than you are, I could have said, Rich, I'd really like to have this, and, and, and you'd have well, given it to me. You, I, I'm just going to have to make, totally make an inventory. You know, you were so yapping away, you're always talking, you weren't really looking at what was on my garage wall. <laughs> I had a Nash, I had a Nash up cap on my wall that's in excellent condition. You didn't even see it. So you could have had it, but no. Too late. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You are is this is one of those times when you're absolutely one hundred percent correct. I know, raise the flag, right? So yeah, there you go. when I was in my early years of the hobby as a, a teenager, you know, and as anybody that's ever listened to the show, you know, I cut my teeth on Hudson's. That's what I wanted. I was fixated on Hudson's, 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 and more Hudson's. And so I joined the Hudson Essex Airplane Club, and my first Hudson was a 51... Uh, Commodore 8 and you know I had trouble finding parts there was no internet so the only way you could find parts was to go to a swap meet I joined the Hudson Essex Airplane Club I went to their shows and you know people would bring parts to sell and those there was one guy in particular a guy named Jack Heisler out of Pittsburgh and I befriended Jack and because he always had a, a ton of parts. And no matter how much I tried to pay for parts that I got from Jack, he would never, never take any money from me. Never. Right there. And yep. I, I'll always remember that. And uh, sadly, a number of years back, he was... Uh, killed in a car accident and um, you know it was just one of the worst days of my life uh, thinking about it because he was just a genuinely nice guy a car guy through and through and uh, gosh he, he treated me so well and uh, so many people did I mean really um, I don't think I would be nearly as dyed in the wool as I am in the car hobby had it not been for all the kindness shown to me by fellow car club members, people that I met, uh, Sidney Lowe, who was our family mechanic, who literally spent hours on the phone with me talking me to, through various procedures uh, when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, putting timing chains in and things of that nature. Uh, gosh, I don't... You know, my life would have been vastly different were it not for all of the all of these people. And so you're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, it has a significant impact, not just from the standpoint of you know, you know, making me into a dyed in the wool car guy. It probably, I know it's hard to think, hard to believe, but it's probably made me a a kinder, a kinder, gentler, more thoughtful person, if that's possible. <laughs> but it's true well you know I, like you said you know we got to keep the hobby going uh, all too often I heard I hear that you know people pass away and their family just goes into the garage and they just get a dumpster and they throw everything away so while you're still on this earth if you could help somebody out just give the part away you know 
Uh, it's not like you bought the part the day before and you want your money back. No, you bought that part 35 years ago and it's been sitting in your garage. You never used it. Just give it away. And uh, it'll make you feel good. And your family will be happy because there's less junk that they have to get rid of. You know what I mean? So, so uh, if, if you could help some young kid out and that would spur his enthusiasm to keep going with his project, that, that's even better. And that's the thing, project cars. How many people do you know have these old cars laying in a field? When I was driving yesterday uh, from Missouri up to Iowa, I passed several fields, you know, houses and farms, and you see all these old cars laying there. You know, just give the project away. You know, I mean, if it's a Duesenberg or a PS Arrow, of course it has value to it. But, you know, let's say it's a 65 Galaxy or something, and the car needs a ton of work and there's a lot of rust, but some kid wants it, just give it to him. You know, give it to him for a buck. That's all. Make it legal. And uh, you'll clear your property of, of the uh, old car sitting there, and you're going to get another car back in circulation because that kid's going to work on it. And then uh, it keeps the hobby going. So uh, I've gotten several project cars that people gave me through the years because they read about you know, my interest in certain models and Hemmings, and they called me up and say, hey, I got this old GT6 laying in the back of my yard. I don't want it there anymore. Come and get it. Years ago when I lived in Oyster Bay, Long Island, uh, the mailman used to watch me work on my cars. And he said one day, you know, I got this old Lancia in my backyard. Come and get it. I'm tired of looking at it. And it was an Appia convertible, which is quite rare. It was sitting in the mud for like 20 years. So you know what happens with Italian cars sitting in moist mud? There was no bottom to it. It was all corroded. There was no flaws. But, you know, uh, I found a guy in Connecticut who was restoring one, and he needed all the emblems and trim parts, and uh, I gave that to him for free because I got the car for free. So uh, what goes around comes around. It keeps the hobby going. So if you got a project car that's just laying there, you're not going to get to it, you know, you're about to enter a nursing home or, you know, you're going through a divorce and you got to move. Just, just give it away. It makes you feel good. It really does. The uh, so I've actually I've actually given given, given car yeah no I I agree I I've actually given cars away for um, to younger people uh, you know people generally think well gosh you know the first thing most not all but most younger people think. Gosh, the antique car hobby, it's so expensive. There's no way I can afford because they've been watching Barry Jackson or me come on TV. And they all have this misnomer that, you know, the hobby isn't affordable. It's not something that they could get involved in. And, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, over the years, I've been in positions where I've bought cars from people for very little money because they were going to scrap them. And so right. just to save save them and to prevent them from being, you know, concrete reinforcements um, and, you know, shredded up, I bought them, you know, a couple hundred bucks. And 
you know, in fact, I bought them directly from the uh, shredder for a couple hundred bucks just to save the yeah. cars. And I've sold them for exactly what I paid for them to people that needed them for parts. Um, and I've, I've given some of them away, too. Um, and it's just to pay it forward, as you say, to keep the hobby going. Another really good thing to do, and I, I do this as well, and that is you, know, you find someone who has an interest in antique cars of, of any age, really. You know, if you're an AACA member or, you know, particularly AACA because it's such a big tent. In other words, you know, AACA just covers every make and model 25 years and older. So you know that regardless of what someone's interests are, there's going to be something in AACA that's going to interest them. So I, I give people AACA memberships. I've, I've given hundreds of AACA memberships over the years. And you know what? Out of those people, you'd be shocked. The number of people that are still members, still active in, in AACA and, and active in the hobby. Um, one friend in particular, a local guy, actually, uh, had known him uh, through a mutual friend. He worked for the same company. I never figured him to be a car enthusiast. And he ended up adopting some stray cats that uh, we found. And we uh, went over to his house. And I look around and I see all these car models. And I'm like, wow, you really love all these antique vintage car models. He goes, oh, yeah, I love antique cars. I really do. I just I've not had one ever, but I love them, and I had a 51 Mercury, or maybe it was a 53 Mercury, actually, and I'm like, wow, well, you need to be a member of AACA. Guess what? That's 20 years ago, and now he's heavily involved in the region. He volunteers. He's got a 51 Mercury uh, that he drives everywhere, um, you know, and all that just came out of a chance meeting and a gift of an AACA membership. Yeah, uh, when I moved out of Massachusetts, I had lots of extra books. And there's a place in Hartford, Connecticut called the Klingberg, and they have an auto restoration program for kids who have been abused or don't have families. And I gave them over 300, I think, 350 books of all types, you know, how-to tech manuals, uh, just regular car books, history books drag racing books, you name it. And I had all these spares, and I, I, I didn't need them anymore. And I just gave them away. And they came and got them, and they were very appreciative, because that helped growing their library. And, uh, you know, that's what you got to do. So sometimes if, if you have extra books and stuff, another thing is to go to the local veterans' home. The veterans love reading about old cars. So if you have old magazines and books, uh, don't throw them out. Bring them to the veterans' home or look for some kind of local library that has an automotive section and just give them away. Makes you feel good. Yeah. 
definitely does, and, and hopefully the VA um, has resumed accepting that sort of thing. Uh, you know, when COVID hit, they quit taking yeah. any of that stuff in, sadly. So hopefully they're they're back to accepting some of that stuff. Uh, so just talking about paying it forward, you know, being generous in sharing your hobby and people thinking about, you know, how expensive it is to get into the hobby and so forth. And I know we've only got a few minutes left, but what do you think are some of the best entry-level entry level cars? And we talk about this from time to time, and that's okay. I don't think we can talk about it enough, really. So entry-level cars, Rich. Can someone get started in the hobby? Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, if, if it's a young kid, they just want to get going. A Fox chassis Mustang from the 90s. Uh, those are plentiful. You could get them in four-cylinder or V8. You want it definitely V8. Uh, parts are available for those things. And there's a big port group. There's lots of clubs, lots, lots of lots of activities for Fox body Mustang. That's what I would tell a young kid to go after. So, uh, you know, that would be my pick. But... Uh, you know, a lot of young oh. kids, are, kids are into Japanese cars. So, uh, you know, maybe you could get a Honda uh, or something like that from the 90s. And uh, But I, I would definitely, you know, advise someone to go and get a Fox chassis Mustang. Uh, again, parts are easily available. They're affordable. And uh, it's a fun car to drive. And they're affordable. They're, you know, they're all over the place. Keep Mustangs, Camaros, um, Volkswagen Beetles. Uh, you know, the Volkswagen Beetles are the not the last iteration of them, but the you know earlier ones. Um, fairly straightforward, easy to work on. There's plenty of information out there. A lot of a lot of manuals, tons and tons of websites and YouTube videos and plenty of parts availability. Um, they're fairly fairly simple to work on. Um, so I, BW Beetle is a good place to start. Falcon, Ford Falcon, um, you know, Chevy Nova. I can think of so many different cars out there that, you know, will on the entry level side will cost you very little money. Um, Especially for that'd be wo- right, yeah, yeah, and you can find a Falcon, a Falcon four door for you know one third the price of a Falcon two door. So if if that's the way you got to go, why not? There's nothing wrong with a four door car. So uh, you know, don't discount it. My first vintage cars were four door cars, with the exception of the '57 Chrysler that I bought, the very first car that I had. That was a two-door hardtop, but that was not by design. That's just the way it turned out, um, you know. But yeah, by and large, the four-door cars. You know what? And then you know, have fun, enjoy it, work yourself up to whatever it is that you want to buy. Two-door hardtop, this or that, or the other thing. But I, I will say this, and this is a sidebar, but four-door cars are becoming more popular people because they 
start to recognize the practicality of having a four-door car. They might have a, you know, two-door hardtop, uh, you know, a Chevelle SS or something like that. But when you have more than two people, it's a hassle getting everybody in and out, you know. You have a nice uh, four-door 66 Cadillac or something like that. It's a lot of fun to drive. All of your friends can pile in. It's easy to get in and out of. Plenty of room for stuff. Um, there's something to be said for a four-door car. Yeah, and if you got to change the hinges, it's a lot easier on a four-door because the doors are lighter. They're smaller. They're easy to change hinges. <laughs> so, uh, that's a good consideration. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at, at your advanced age, you know, you don't want to be handling too much weight. That's why you deal with those British cars, is they weigh a whole lot. Exactly. They're easy to move the parts and pieces around. Um, if oh, you really want good. to get into something older, though, hey, Model T's. Right now, I think uh, pre-war, as far as a pre-war car is concerned, as an entry level, you can't be a Model T. And prices are really, really low these days for those cars because there's so many of them out there that have survived. And, of course, sadly, a lot of the people from that generation that remember Model T's, um, they're no longer with us. So the supply is significant out there. And that's another area where you can go online and there's so many resources. Model T Ford Club of America, I mean, just endless amounts of support parts for them. Um, Even Model A are pretty affordable still. So you could get a Model A which is a little more modern. And uh, I've still seen them for sale for $5,000 or even less sometimes, needing a ton of work. But, uh, yeah, you just got to look around. Half a minute to go. Cheap cars are good. Cheap, cheap cars, cars cheap are good. Cheap are bad. So I'm getting ready. I'm going to head down to the farmer's market here in uh, Des Moines, Iowa. And then... Uh, we got the concourse tomorrow. It's free, folks. So if you live within a couple of hours of Des Moines, come on out tomorrow. Okay, wrap it up. Take care, folks. Safe travels. We'll see you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.